You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's going on, guys? Hope you're having a fantastic week. We are continuing in our series entitled Threads. Just a reminder, this is a series that we are doing uh, in partnership with our church, Faith Chapel. Um, every ministry in our church is walking through these different ways to connect threads throughout scripture. So if you're really interested in being a part of like a full submersive experience, uh, you can check out weekend messages at faithchapel.cc. Um, but midweek, what we're doing at Young Adults <clears throat> is we're taking the theme of the week, we're finding a couple scriptures that go along with that theme, and we're going to dig a little deeper. And so this week, the um, thread was trees. And Pastor Nate did an incredible job talking about this meta-narrative story about uh, trees and the significance that they play in in specific parts of Scripture. And what I want to do is I want to look at two separate passages, uh, the first one being in the book of Psalms, right at the very beginning, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who, medita- who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Last week, um, we talked about gardens. If you didn't hear that one, you can uh, catch that on the podcast. Trees is the next step. We're, we're kind of spending these four weeks in nature. And so trees, this this passage that we looked at, Psalm chapter 1, being like a tree, like that's what we want to be, right? We want to be a person who's like a tree planted by streams of water, who yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither. That's what we want, but it's not uh, simple, right? But what we understand is this, is that nothing worth doing is simple. Right off the top, one of the most read books in the Bible, the book of Psalms, is an idea that we cannot miss as we are in pursuit of becoming a tree. This truth rears its head and it is this, is that we have the freedom of choice. The psalmist is describing someone who is making the right choices in becoming like that tree that we so desperately want to be, but it's also a reminder of the fact that we have the freedom to choose in the first place, that God did not pre-program us and dictate our lives, but gives us choice every single day, and that that is an amazing thing, and it is also an amazing act of love. In the first three verses of this book, the author touches on a couple different ways that we get to choose. The first way is the choice of community, the choice of community. The importance of relationship is highlighted immediately, and we cannot undersell the importance of who we spend time with. Some of you have been a part of our family, our church family, for a really long time, part of young adults. Um, And so this might be something where you roll your eyes because you probably hear it uh, a lot but is this, is that in every relationship, in every situation, we get the decision to be influenced or be the influencer. And 
it, I'm not, I'm not, if you know me, you know that I'm not saying like, do not hang out with people who don't believe what you believe. Don't hang out with, with, uh, people who aren't Christians, who don't follow Jesus, whatever, uh, kind of parameters you want to set on that statement. I, I 100% that you should be around people all the time, um, because we are out to, to love people into the kingdom of heaven. But we also have to understand when we are in situations, if we are being influenced away from Jesus or towards Jesus, or if we are able to influence people towards Jesus, or if because of our broken humanity, we are actually influencing people away from Jesus. That is something that has to be in our minds. It doesn't have to control us. It doesn't have to be um, like a driving factor. And we're just in our heads all the time in every situation that we can't even participate in a conversation. But we have to be honest with ourselves as we're stepping into situations, if we're in the middle of situations, or as we leave situations, if we are the influencer or we are being influenced. And either side of those could be good or bad. So let's be really clear here, though, as we look at the the first three verses of Psalm chapter one, I think for, for many years, this is a passage that uh, was one of the first uh, memory verses <laughs> that, that I memorized. I remember in, in uh, junior high specifically, I had all these little verses in uh, when I was in elementary school, but in junior high, I was like, we're going to do these like three verse passages. And I remember uh, memorizing this one and I remember thinking of like the wicked and the sinners and the mockers as like the people out there. And I would focus on that part of the passage. But let's please, please be really clear here is that this passage isn't about highlighting the choices that others make. It's about highlighting the choices that we make. That if we want to become a tree planted by streams of water, this is about the choices that we make. We can get consumed by judging the paths of others instead of creating healthy paths of our own and creating healthy paths that others can follow. That if we become healthy, people would want to follow that example. It's not about getting consumed about the decisions that other people are making, but about being intentional about the decisions that we are making. The second choice is this, is the choice of intention. The choice of intention. The idea of meditating on the word of God, the law of God, day and night is intimidating, isn't it? But my hope is that we can think of that not as a time requirement, not as a set amount of time every single day that we absolutely have to spend it with our noses buried in scripture and praying and all those things, but instead look at it as a posture to be had. That in every situation, our initial response is to focus on what God would say, what God would want us to say, what God would want us to do, not on what we would want to do naturally, that we would not focus on what our humanity or what culture or what anything else is driving us to do but on what Jesus would call us to do. I truly think that we have to get out of the headspace that following Jesus correctly, quote unquote, correctly, means that we kill every other interest in our life. That, that we have to spend 18 hours a day buried in scripture, buried in prayer. Like that, is, that does not qualify us as good Christians or good followers of Jesus. What we do need to do is be people who know Jesus enough and who recognize his voice enough that daily it is influencing us towards wholeness and that it is influencing us towards holiness. Do we need to spend time in scripture? Absolutely. Do we need to spend time in prayer? You bet. But this isn't about checking boxes. This isn't about any kind of magic formula. It's about getting near Jesus and being intimately involved enough with Jesus that we recognize his voice in every situation. It's not about a process. It's about a posture. So if we want to become people who are like a tree whose leaves do not wither, we have to make choices that are not just good, 
the choices that are right. There are going to be many choices in our lives that could be deemed good, that, that everybody around us would look at and say, like, that's good, or that we would look at and be like, that was a good choice. Or even even God would be like, yeah, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that is good, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. And it's going to be really hard to make the right decisions, the right choices, unless we are in tune with the Word of God day and night. So that's why we want to have an intimate relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus. We want to be close to him and we want to hear him and we want to understand his voice. Luke chapter 11 verse 28 says, uh, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Those last three words are important, right? And obey it. That we can hear the word of God and we can and we can uh, understand what God would want us to do in a situation, but we actually have to be obedient because hearing the word of God is hard enough on its own, but being obedient, man, that is where we falter more often than not. Many of us will use the excuse like, oh, I haven't heard the voice of God, or I don't really know what God wants us. Yes, we do. Most of the time we do know what God wants us to do. Maybe not in the big decisions, but like on the daily practical parts of our life, like does God want us to be loving? Always. Does God want us to be empathetic? Always. Does he want us to be people who are involved in, in the world around us and are who are pursuing the hearts and minds of people for Jesus? Yes. Like we know what God wants us to do every single day. Like the big decisions. Yeah. We need to sit in prayer and we need, we need to rest in prayer and say like, Lord, you need, I need your help uh, in these decisions. But most of the time we know what God wants us to do. We know who God wants us to be, but we have to be in tune with his voice so that when the, the opportunities arise to make decisions, we would make the right decisions, not just good decisions. All right, so if we're being honest, there's a flip side to the freedom of choice. And it's this, the burden of responsibility. The flip side of freedom of choice is the burden of responsibilities. What we find throughout our lives is that the more freedom we are given, the more responsibility we hold. It's just naturally what happens in our lives. As we grow up, as we graduate from elementary school into junior high into high school into uh, college into adulthood, whatever you want to call it, into the real world, quote unquote, that with freedoms of choice, the more opportunities that we have to make decisions, the also the burden of responsibility gets bigger because now the the responsibility falls on us, not our parents, not anybody else in our lives, but it falls on us. And that can be really intimidating. I think about <clears throat> my kids. I have three kids. I have an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a two-year-old. The two-year-old doesn't really have any responsibility at this point, but the seven-year-old and eight-year-old do, and and we're like kind of letting out the tether, right? Like slowly allowing them to do specific things, like walk home from school, or uh, one of the things that they've gotten to do in the last year is just just go play with their friends in our neighborhood and go to the park and not have uh, adult supervision 100% of the time. That we trust them enough to to be uh, safe, and it's just been interesting in the last year how like. 95% of the time they're, they're doing the right things, but the burden of responsibility sometimes, sometimes rears its ugly head and we have to have a conversation with them about something that they did at the park or something that they said to one of their friends or while a uh, parent wasn't around or while a parent maybe was around and they didn't know it, right? Like there are things that happen and um, I just think it's, it's a kind of a simple example of the way that God looks at us and goes, hey, like I'm going to let you, I'm going to allow you to have this freedom of choice, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't come without consequences and it doesn't mean that there's not responsibility to be had. Like you are participating in this relationship and you are participating in the process of becoming that tree that you so desperately want to be. I don't just create in you perfection or I don't just create in you this this thing that you desire to be. 
you have to work for it. Like, it's not, it's not something where you can just sit back and be like, all right, God, like do your thing. Like I'm quote unquote surrendered to you. So like making me a pure heart, it's no, like making me a pure heart, God. And I'm going to be intentional about where my heart is at and where my mind is at every single day. I'm going to put in necessary efforts to become the people or the person that God is calling me to be. And that shouldn't scare us. The burden of responsibility should not scare us. And the reason that we get to avoid fear is that God is with us every step of the way. The availability of God is never diminished. The availability of God is always present, whether we want God to be present or not. Psalm chapter 139, excuse me, verse seven says this, is where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go that you aren't there? Where can I flee that your presence is not readily available? The psalmist, as he as he's writing this beautiful refrain, like is 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 saying, like there's nowhere in my life that you will not be. Even if I don't want you there, you are still there. And I think it's important for us to understand that in the moments where we are seeking God intentionally, He is there. And in the moments where we are running from the responsibility and the burdens of our life, that God is still there with us, step in step. Like we should take heart. We are always in His presence. We can be trees who are planted right next to living water. Because no matter where we are planted, God is in our midst. I want to look at one more passage where the prophet Isaiah refers to trees as something to model ourselves after. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to do this, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for prisoners. For the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of a crown of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So as he's talking about this, these things that he's called to de- do, and, the, and in turn, the, the nation of Israel is called to be, and what in turn is what we are called to be, these people who proclaim God, who set captives free, who bind up the brokenhearted, who, who anoint people to proclaim good news to the poor, all of these different things. He, he lists all these, and he ends it, and he says this, he says, they will be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Oaks of righteousness. Like I want to be called an oaks an oak of righteousness, right? You do probably do. That's like, that's BA. Like I want to be an oak of righteousness. But here's a question that comes along with wanting to become an oak of righteousness. It's this. What do people see when they look at us? What do people see when they look at us? I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. If we're, if we were to ask people in our lives or people who have observed our lives to, to describe us, what would they say about us outside of our physical traits? Like traits, would they say like, oh, like they're trustworthy. They're honest. They're good hearted. They care about people. Well, they love really extraordinarily. Like how would people describe us? And for some of us, we don't want that question to be asked because we know that we might not be described as those things. Like, can we honestly say that we display the splendor of Jesus? I want to display the splendor of Jesus. I want to be an oak of righteousness. I want to display who Jesus is. Fully understanding that, like, the splendor of Jesus is beyond anything that we can comprehend. And that me and my singular life will never fully display. But it will be a glimpse. It can absolutely be a glimpse and a glimpse of Jesus is amazing. 
And what's even more amazing is a community of people who are in tandem, who are in community, who are in family saying, no, like we collectively want to be glimpses of Jesus. And that picture gets a little bit clearer and a little bit clearer and a little bit clearer as followers of Jesus come together in community and say like, no, we want you to see Jesus. We want you to see Jesus. So I want to end with two questions this week. The first question is this, is am I willing to be planted by Jesus? That means where he wants us to grow. For many of us, we can't wait to get where we're not. The season of life that we're currently in, we're like, man, I just want to get to a different season of life. Or like now that I've stepped into this new season with that burden of responsibility, like I want to go be planted somewhere like back that was easier where there was less responsibility. And, and this is the thing about Jesus is that he can uproot you and he can plant you in a new place and you can be just as successful, if not more successful. But we have to have a posture that would say, Jesus, wherever you want me to be planted, I want to be planted. I want to be where you want me to be. Are we willing to be planted by Jesus? And the second question would be this, are we willing to be cultivated by Jesus? We truly believe that Jesus is the great cultivator, that he has the best best in mind for us, that sometimes there's pruning to be had and sometimes there's up, <clears throat> uprooting to be had and, and sometimes there's, there's um, time to be spent in one singular spot. Like there's, there's all of these different things, but we have to believe that Jesus is a great cultivator. So if being planted by Jesus means where he wants us to grow, that being cultivated by Jesus means how he wants us to grow, that we would not try to create human-made formulas on becoming what God wants us to be, but that we would ask God to show us who he wants us to be. And that's tough because we want to be in control of our own destiny, but following Jesus is about it's about holding things loosely and surrendering our lives to Jesus and saying, "No, I trust you more than I trust me." And so I'm going to go where you want me to go. I want to be who you want me to be, and I trust that you will create in me who you want me to be. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.